0: Okay. So today, I thought that we would talk about weddings. And um, I felt like the Lord wanted me to talk about the connection between um, the church, which is the bride of Christ, and um, Christ, who is our bridegroom. And um, so this is just a basic study. It can go a lot deeper than, than what I'm going to give you today. Um, so wedding ceremonies in the days of Jesus was different in many ways than how we celebrate today, but we still see a lot of um, similarities uh, in there in our ceremonies. So in ancient times, um, marriages Were looked upon as more of an alliance um, for reasons of survival or practicality, and the concept of romantic love um, kind of remained a secondary issue, so if it was considered at all, and romantic love would grow over time, hopefully. Um, The Bible gives us several analogies of what our relationship with God is like, and marriage is one of them. Uh, being purchased as a slave by Christ is another, but just as our slavery in Jesus it actually brings us freedom because he is a good master, um, so does marriage in Jesus. So this is just my little disclaimer that even though um, there's some real life parallels between um, the, you know, the ancient Jewish ceremony and now um, we don't believe that. Jesus is teaching that women, you know, are to be bought by their husband or arranged marriages or that women are inferior um, to their husbands in any way. So that's not what we're saying. Um, God is using the ancient Jewish customs of that time to teach us about our salvation through Christ and um, and how much he loves us. So, as I was reading about um, Jewish weddings um, in Jesus's days, different authors break it down in different ways, and so I chose um, the to break it down in five ways. Um, so. Uh, there's the arrangement of marriage, the betrothal ceremony, the preparation period, the wedding ceremony, and then the wedding feast. So I'm just going to go through, kind of describe what that is, and then we'll, um, make the parallels to Jesus after that. And you might be able to pick up on some of those as we go through. I am also going to forsake saying the Jewish words for some of these, because no matter how many times I listened to it on Google, I just could not seem to get it down. and I am not very good at, um, saying Hebrew words. So I'm going to skip those, uh, for today. So um, the arrangement of marriage, um, it's a mutual promise between a man and a woman to contract a marriage at some future time. So like engagement, but a little bit different. Um, the marriage was arranged between the father of the groom and the father of the bride or by a matchmaker. The couple might not know each other or they may not have even seen each other before the betrothal ceremony. The bride-to-be was normally required to give consent to the marriage and the parents prepared the written marriage contract. Uh, They determined the terms and conditions of the marriage arrangement. Then, uh, after the contract was agreed to by both parties, the couple would move on to the betrothal ceremony. Um, To prepare for this, the bride and the groom separately uh, take part in ritual immersion in water, which symbolizes a spiritual cleansing. This symbolizes the transition from a former way um, into a new way of life. And so from being single to being married or becoming one. So after immersion, the couple would enter the hoopah which is a marriage canopy. Maybe you've seen these at, wed- at weddings sometimes, but there would be this marriage canopy, which was symbolic of a new household being planned. And um, there they would establish the binding contract so the, this contract states the bride price, um, the, the price that the groom was going to give to the bride or to the father, um, the promises of the groom and the rights of the bride. So the groom promises to work for her, to honor, support, and maintain her in truth, to provide clothing, uh, and necessities, and to live together as husband and wife. This is, this contract is the right of the bride. During this betrothal ceremony, vows are exchanged, uh, promising to be married. And, um, and then there is an exchange of something of value. So today we exchange rings, they may have exchanged something else that was something of value. Um, these covenant vows were sealed with a shared cup of wine. The cup is first given to the groom to drink and then to the bride. And this is their cup of the covenant, their cup of promise. After this ceremony, they are legally married, but they do not live in the same house or consummate their marriage yet. So the betrothal ceremony would end and uh, with a feast to celebrate the occasion. And following the feast, each party would return to their father's house. So for about a year... They wouldn't uh, be together. They would each go to their father's home. So that's why this is—it's um, kind of like an engagement, but it's like this extended, this extended time of their marriage. So they're taking vows, but it's not completed till later. Um, so, and at this point, if they decided they didn't want to be married, a legal divorce would have to happen um, because that—that's how binding their. Um, their contract was, um, and um, and that would have to be initiated by the husband, which we could see a bit of that Oops. Uh, in this, uh, oh, I forgot to show, that's one picture of a hoopa. Um in this, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 to 20, um, this just shows an example with Mary and Joseph. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So Joseph and Mary were in that um, that. Uh, You know, they'd been betrothed to each other. They were in that that waiting period where they were um, not living together yet. They haven't consummated their marriage yet. And he was thinking of divorcing her quietly. But the Holy Spirit said to take her home, that uh, her child is of God. So next after this, over that year, is the preparation period. So while the groom was away at his father's house, he prepared a place for him and his bride to live and uh, this may be building his own house or by adding a room onto his father's house. Meanwhile, the bride is preparing herself for the upcoming wedding. And during this time, um, she's also observed for her purity, and uh, at least a full nine months would pass to be sure that she wasn't pregnant or to attempt to assure that she was a virgin. The bride consecrated herself. She set herself apart and examined everything in her life And changed whatever was necessary in order to be ready for the covenant of marriage. Uh, The bride made sure that she was separated for her bridegroom. During this time, the bride also made her own wedding garments, prepared her dowry, and kept her lamps ready. Um, After this period of time comes the time of the wedding ceremony. Um, So, towards the end of the year-long betrothal period, the bride waited with great expectancy for the groom to come and for the ceremony to take place. Uh, The day of the ceremony was a surprise to both the groom and the bride. The groom's father would often set the date of when he would go. And so, when the time was right, the groom's father would issue the approval for the ceremony to begin. The groom and his wedding party would leave the groom's house to go get his bride, and the friends of the bridegroom would shout, Behold, the bridegroom comes. And then they would blow the shofar, a ram's horn, and uh, the groomsmen would lead the wedding party through the streets and bring the bride back to the groom's home, where the wedding canopy, the chuppah, awaited. Uh, the wedding ceremony was performed under the hoopah. The vows made in the betrothal ceremony were completed in this marriage ceremony. And uh, the ceremony was again sealed with a cup of wine to indicate the great joy that would accompany the festive celebration. So after the ceremony, the couple would consummate their marriage and live together as husband and wife from that point forward. And... Then comes the wedding feast. So the highlight of the wedding ceremony was the wedding feast, which was seven full days of food, music, dance, and celebration. I just can't even imagine. Also, I wonder what that was like. Like if you, you know, people are getting married all the time. If you're like always having many (laughs) week-long celebrations of uh, food, music, dance, and celebration, which is, sounds really wonderful. The primary purpose of their wedding feast was to honor the groom, and the guests were expected to compose poems or sing songs to the groom. To, to honor the groom, the bride would put on her beautiful wedding garments and would display her beauty to the bridegroom's friends, and attendees would show her respect and admiration. And then following the feast, they would live together. So that is just a quick sum up of what the ancient Jewish wedding Um, ceremony over a year would be like. So Jesus as our bridegroom. Um, Jesus' first coming was like the arrangement of marriage. Our Heavenly Father arranged a marriage between his son and mankind. Um, By the death of Jesus and our faith in him, we became wedded to him. And by accepting, trusting, and believing in Jesus, we become one with him, just like a bride and groom become one. Um, Ephesians 5, 31 to 32, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. And so this is talking about just as a husband and wife become one um, Christ and the church become one uh, the father sent Jesus to his bride to explain what life would be like with him and uh, Jesus gave his life on the cross to purchase his bride we are bought with his blood that is his price um, that he paid for us first Corinthians 6:19 to 20. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. So, uh, Jesus gave up his uh, body on the cross, um, paid for us with his blood. Uh, we can't be forced into a relationship with Jesus. Uh, we must give consent. And as his betrothed bride, We have also taken a ritual bath similar to an ancient Jewish bride. Our baptism symbolizes our spiritual cleansing, our separation to our bridegroom, Jesus, and our vow to be prepared for our future wedding. Um, Acts 2.38, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So um, our baptism is like the the bridal um, immersion. Jesus has already been immersed. He was immersed by John um, at the Jordan River, Matthew 3, 13 to 17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. <laughs> i'm like a you here oh here we go um uh so jesus was baptized not for repentance like we are baptized because he was without sin um but he was consecrated to god he was set aside to god um, for god's purposes and um, to purchase his bride who he loves that was one of the purchase uh ways of saying it. Uh, when we enter the new covenant with Jesus, we seal the agreement with communion wine. When we take communion, we remember the joy of our betrothal and, uh, you know, our first love, and we look forward to our upcoming wedding celebration when Christ returns. Luke 22, 17. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Oops. In the same way, in verse 20, In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Um, so, um, so communion... Is um, like the wedding wine, and um, that we share. We remember what Jesus has done for us. We remember the price that He paid, um, and then when He comes again, um, we have that wine with Him again. The Bible is like the the bride's contract. All the promises that God provided uh, for the believers in Christ are listed here, and they're legally ours. And the Holy Spirit is his deposit, guaranteeing his return. 2 Corinthians 1.20. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Uh, and uh, John sixteen five through 7 and 16. But now I'm going to him who sent me. This is Jesus saying this. Um, none of you ask me, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And Jesus went on to say, in a little while, you will see me no more. And then after a little while, you will see me. So uh, when Jesus ascended to his father in heaven, he left us gifts, um, including righteousness, eternal life, grace, faith, and other spiritual gifts in the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit was his promise that he would return to us. So while Jesus is with the Father, he is preparing a place for us, just like the bridegroom when he was away was preparing a place for his bride. Um, John chapter 14, verse 2, My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am." You know the way to the place where I am going. So, um, God, Jesus is preparing a place for us with many rooms. We are called to wait expectantly for his return, to make ourselves ready, to prepare our wedding garments, which are righteous acts, um, and we'll talk about that in a minute, and to be set apart as we look forward to our life together with our bridegroom, Jesus. Just as the bride didn't know the day or the hour that the bridegroom would come, we don't know the day or the hour that Jesus will return. And like the parable of the ten virgins in Matthew 25, we need to be ready for the bridegroom's return. Uh, Like the bride, we need to be ready at all times. We don't know the day, but as we hope that our preparation period is coming to an end, we look forward to the wedding celebration that will take place soon. So sometime soon the father will say to his son, go and get your bride. 1 Thessalonians four sixteen to 18 For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive are, and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. So we will be, uh, if we're still alive, um, or if we're, you know, those that are dead will be with him. And uh, if we're still alive, when Jesus comes, we'll be caught up with him in the sky. And we'll meet him under the canopy of the sky, like the hoopah canopy. And then there's the wedding supper, Revelations 19, to 9. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given to her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. Then the angel said to me, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, These are the true words of God. So this waiting period while we're waiting for Jesus to return should be an exciting time of anticipation for us. Uh, like a bride and bridegroom waiting for the time when they can be together again. So let's prepare ourselves. Let's be excited. Let's get excited and anticipate the coming of our bridegroom Jesus. Because that's an exciting thing. Revelations 22, 12 to 13 and 17. Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Verse 17, the spirit and the bride say, come, and the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come, and let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you love us so much, that you came to save us, to redeem us, that you purchased us with your blood that you shed on the cross. Thank you for rising from the dead and giving us life. Thank you for going to the Father to prepare a place for us that we'll get to be with you in return for eternity. We look forward to you coming. When we prepare ourselves, we prepare our hearts, we examine our lives, and we get ourselves ready for you to come. We thank you that you love the church. We thank you that you've made us one, that we are your body, that we become one with you, and we look forward to that day. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.